Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to touch New England, man. I'm telling you, I want to, there's people here that, that are reaching the poor in New Haven. I want to do something there. I, I was in Canada. You, let me, look, you need to understand, I'm on stealth missions now. I'm, I'm just, I'm so done preaching for, like, kicks. For me, it's all, like, I'm, I'm 37, man. Like, I'm getting close to you, bro. You know what I mean? I got to make a difference in this world. So everything is strategic for me now. If I'm in Canada in February, it's because I'm building something there. It's because I'm looking at property and I want to feed the poor and I want to get a church with somewhere underneath we can feed. You know, I, it's all father stuff to me now. If I travel, it's only for family. And because Charlotte's one of my favorite places to go preach because then he gets us Panthers tickets and we go watch football. So, I mean, that, you just won my heart over, bro. Don't, you can never do anything wrong. As long you can with jerseys, come on. That's real relationship. Or Paul Keith's in October because I really want him to build a base that we can do schools. And I mean, God is like interwoven, connected these things. So for me, it's mission focused now. And, and I have friends that are going all around the world doing stuff. And listen, I could spend the rest of my life funding everybody else's cause. God has given us a mandate in New England to see people fed and, and the Holy Spirit fall and lives being changed because he's going to change the church culture, I believe. In New England. I believe he's changing it. And I believe that if we can change the culture, now I'm going to share quickly. Go to Luke 19. And Robin, at the end, you come up like a pop and say anything on your heart. Uh, Luke, it is Luke 19, right? Yes. I remember pre culture. I'm telling you, as I believe God has used this church to set the pace in a season where awakening has not been popular, come on, where the Holy Spirit has not been excited, the bull in New England, where most people have allowed their love to grow cold, clearly not this group. I mean, it's a Sunday night. You're on your sixth service pumping through or whatever. But I'm saying as a whole, I've watched people, gosh, I mean, come on, man. I've been in meetings with thousands of people jumping up and down, screaming all the right things, and now they just live wrong. And God has used this place almost as a pace setter of just saying we want it, period. If it, was, if it was five people in the room, this is our DNA. We want revival. We want what God's doing on the earth in New England. And then it begins to grow, you know. And I believe that God is even asking our church to change its mindset. Church in general has just got to change. The mindset behind it, the way it's focused, what your focus is, what you're after, I mean, and then it spills into our own life that God could change a culture through our thoughts. I remember doing a funeral, not, well, not too, very long ago. It's never fun doing a funeral for somebody that doesn't know the Lord. It's just horrible. And I remember I was doing a funeral in the early days of ministry, and the person didn't know the Lord. He lived in New London. He died. They just asked me to do the funeral, and I just kind of did. You know, now I just kind of keep it at church. Otherwise, I'd just be burying everybody. And he didn't know the Lord. And I remember standing there after the ceremony. It was gut-wrenching. Look, heaven and hell are real, man. Hell is real. And as I stood there and looked at this dead person, I just thought in my head, I never want to be okay with this. 
I never want to get to a place in my life where this is okay. Because this is the greatest miracle and another one that the enemy can chalk up. Do you understand? Souls is the greatest miracle. But if we don't have a culture change about the lost, then we're not going to touch anybody. And just as I, what am I saying? Just as I stood over that body when I don't want to be okay with this. I don't want to be okay with love members that don't know the Lord. I'm not okay with it. As good as you think you are. That's why I love Marlena's faith. You know, her husband was sick and we didn't know what the outcome was. And we knew he loved the Lord at times in his life and he was baptized. But you know, this woman went right to her husband and said, you do know, the, you know, you did accept him. And you, you know, she, because we don't play with this stuff. It's never okay. And, I, and, and just as I looked over that body and said, I never want this to be right. What do I mean by that? Forgetting it on your conscience. Walking away, being cold to things like that. I think this is a night we're just going to call everybody out. Rebecca's amazing husband that works so hard here, he's an EMT. Man, when he first started coming and burning for God and many, many years ago, and I would meet with him, he saw so many horrific accident scenes that he started getting, it's cold. It's just, if I showed you, if we saw one scene that he deals with in one week or one day, I couldn't even probably, it, I'd have to like get counseling to get it out of my head. But he saw horrific scenes so much that it was cold to him. But then he comes to the Lord and his heart starts softening. And then he goes to these scenes and he's, I mean, Dude, I mean, I got to be careful telling his stories because he probably could get in trouble. But, I mean, people are at their last moment, and he releases hope to them or prays for them or leads them to the Lord. I mean, he is in a position where few people could ever even get there when someone's dying. And I watched God begin to soften his heart. You got to be similar cold. I mean, you can't. Some of you be like, oh, no, no. You got to be a little cold. You're like. You want Rick Joyner flying the plane, you know what I mean? You want that personality? It's like a rock, you know what I mean? You want him flying the plane. You don't want me flying your plane. You don't want Pastor Sarah. My God, we'd be all over the place. You don't want it, but you want Ryan. He's got to stay a little cold, you know what I mean? When my kids, ah, Ryan, my Luke's not breathing. You know what I mean? He just, you need him to fly 100 miles an hour, get to my house. Even if my son is not breathing, Ryan's not moving. You know what I mean? But he did allow his heart to get softened at the people. Sometimes as Christians, we go through life and we start, we're too hard-hearted. Lost people don't affect us anymore. The things of God don't affect us anymore. Hungering for revival, just we're callous to it. And when you change your culture, you start fighting those emotions that many of us love burning for God. Hope, it's going to happen. Man, God, can you know, those days. I remember when I would, you know, preach at gay. was like, I felt like every conference could be like the day we all fly out of the room. You know what I mean? It's because that it was like a kid hope. That God can just do it. It's just this will be the weekend. And we start to lose that. And it just starts to be normal to us. And then we start to get familiar. Like Connor said, we become so familiar with a God we barely even know. And the things of God our heart grows a little cold too. I know it's true because when the presence of God is poured out, you realize how dry you are. You know, even some meetings we've had in New Haven at the end of the altar, I'm just, I walk home and I'm like, my God. Like I miss worshiping for hours after a meeting because we just love the Lord. 
So I think God wants to change the culture in New England and in our heads and, and make it more presence-driven, make it more focused on kingdom and, and what God is doing right now instead of principle-driven, right? We're very stately here. It's all like the bottom line. It's how you appear. You know, everything is like, what angle are you coming at? But it's hard to serve God when we're naturally a people that are kind of skeptical, right? Cody can attest this dude's never coming back. You know what I mean? He, he's going to go to Louisiana and be like, oh, thank you. I could say hi to people. I could say good morning. We wave. <laughs> but I believe that if we change our minds, we can see entire cities come to Christ. I believe if we change our thought processes, we can believe that our whole families would be saved. We can believe for regions. Come on. Just as a meeting like this, which seems so amazing because there's not much going on in New England, why isn't this 10,000 people in a park? Why isn't this old stadiums in New England? Because he is that powerful. He needs no advertising. When the glory of God is poured out on that realm, friends, everybody's going to get transformed. Or a line will be drawn in the sand, right? What the, awaken, the Great Awakening did is it brought a God consciousness to New England. So bars shut down because God became more aware in everybody's life. They, they saw their need for Jesus. Where few believers walk around today with a need for Jesus anymore. He's like something we just do. It's like he's part of our life and yeah. But I mean really longing for him. Wanting just create, just the realm of heaven to be on our minds and in our hearts all the time. we got to recognize the presence of God always, not just when it's strong in a meeting. Come on. It takes no discernment to go, wow, Woo. see that, all these people cheering? That was a powerful word from Paul Keith. We're all excited. Come on, this is, something's happening here. That takes no discernment. I mean, you're not even, you barely have to have a pulse to go, wow, this is, God was here last night. It takes faith to recognize his presence when it's not aware by everybody. It takes culture change to recognize the anointing. That's what ministry does in a way. For a living, I'll go to places that are very dark and cold. And I'll walk in. You know, I never approached any. I know you think I'm not. I've never approached any meeting with a, pre, with a preconceived message ever in the thousands thousand times I've ever preached. It's usually hours before that I say, God, what are you doing? And he tells me. Or I go into a meeting like this, and I'm like, God, what do you want to say? And then it's like, boom, 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 boom. You can't do that if this is a business. That only comes through relationship and listening and hearing and having enough word in you that he can pull it from here or here or something that you haven't heard before, you know, or remind me, quicken my understanding of that promise he gave me for the poor. But we've got to think differently and start seeing, and that's part of what Paul Keith challenged us with. We love the, the one miracle. We love the one testimony. We love the one-on-one. -on -one. We got to see realms opened up. We got to see the awareness of the kingdom manifested everywhere.
not just when it's, it's pretty easy to, to sense. So I'm talking about your daily life, your job, your house, you communing with the Lord. That's what I love. You know, you, you hear from Paul Keith, and it was like, I know him so, so well, really well. He was never like that. It's a man that has been in a cave with Jesus that comes out of a cave and goes, hey, man, I'm not really preaching this year, which he's not. But let me just tell you what I feel the Lord's doing. You're like, oh, my gosh, that is so amazing. I'm so tired of hearing the same things every single conference. I'm so ready for this. This is right from heaven. I feel it. It was hot off the press. I want more. I want more. And then he's like, I'm just going to go back to the cave now. And you're like, oh, don't go in the cave. Or really, we need to go in the cave and understand that. Do you understand? He's not preaching for years. In a preacher's mind, it's like, yeah, you're behind. You know what I mean? You're irrelevant. But he's with Jesus every day. Every day. You know, I remember a good friend of mine when I got saved, and he was in all these meetings until today. I was shocked to see him here. He had a grandmother. We called her Nana. And when I got saved, she was a little old African woman that lived on Montauk. And man, she was close to God. This woman had her kids. No man in the house. Had her daughter. But she was so close to Jesus. I mean, she'd be like, Jamie, he's so good. And then one day she let me in her prayer room. And I was like, oh, man. And she's like, I spend hours a day with him. Oh, we just talk. And, and she had a depth in a daily relationship with God that I've envied. And I was like, I want that deep relationship with Jesus. You know what I mean? Not just experience focus, not just in the big bang, although we're never going to stop. I love this more than anything. But just that moment, you know, and it's kind of what I love about Robin. I mean, uh, seriously, when you're in the South, things just move a little slower. You just have more time to talk, think. Do you know what I mean? I know it's not true, and he just led his big church into a massive building program, and I'm so glad he could be, even be with us on a Sunday. Honestly, the church is exploding. His church had more people probably than we did this morning. I mean, just, and yet he comes, but every time I feel like I call him, I see him on the back porch in a rocking chair drinking sweet tea doing nothing. And I know it's the farthest thing from the truth, but it's always like, it's okay. You know what I mean? Like, it's always like he just laid back, like there ain't nothing. And we're, I'm all high strung. And he's just like, yeah, well, I mean, he can't get it out fast enough. I'm like, let's get the words out. I got to go. Come on, get them out quick. I mean, it's, you know what I'm saying? Like, you don't realize in here how fast, wired, crazy. I'm, I'm at to blame. If you've ever talked to me on the phone, I'm sorry now. I, I really don't mean it. I never say bye on the phone. If you talk to me on the phone, I just hang up on you when I'm done. I don't know. I promise you, I don't mean it. <laughs> Poor people. I've heard them all these years. I just, I just hang up. When I think the conversation's over, I'm like, yeah, and I just hang out. There's no bye. Look, Cody's like, my God, what are you doing? It's literally like, yep, yeah, okay. And, and you don't even get to say bye. I have hung up on you before. And I've had some people just be like, you know, did I, hurt, did, did I do something wrong? Like, are, you know, did I hurt you? And I'm like, what? 
Well, you hung up on me when I was talking. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> lost connection. I don't know what happened, beloved. It's like, it's like if the pause goes too long, right. it's like we're done. Now, there's obviously you're finished. But then Pastor Rodney and somebody, they got in the habit of saying, love you, bye. So if I, then that's like our partial now. It's like, okay, love you. And then that's how you know we're officially done. But if I don't love you, you know what I mean? If I don't say it to you, I'm horrible and I'll just hang up. So I apologize. I never mean it like that. But I feel like Robin's always just there. And in New England, I was showing Cody the home. There's no homes anywhere that looks like this. To us, where you take advantage, you know, it's just like whatever, it's New England. There's nowhere with the houses that look like ours do. The architecture, the history. And you know what all these homes have? Porches and decks that go unused. It's the least used part of the house. Because nobody reflects anymore. Nobody sits there and just, what would you even do? Like, I don't know, if this was like the 30s, what are we just sitting there? Hey, let's go to the deck. Talk. Talk. Exactly. That's what I mean. I have a problem. Talk. You know, Paul said in Corinthians, he said, I, I, wish, you would, I wish you would serve the Lord as if you were single. If you're married, he said, I wish you would serve God. And here's why he said so you could serve the Lord without distractions. Man, if Paul wrote that hundreds and hundreds of years ago and they thought they were distracted, what in the world would he write to me or to you? I pray you would live as if you were in prison. You know what I mean? <laughs> Forget not being married. I, I pray you would live as if you were strapped down to an electric chair. I mean... I felt the call this weekend more than ever for the cave. I did. To just make that realm more aware to us. That, that our porches would be used more. That we would have the prayers in the house and find the prayer closet and make room to, to, to allow our thoughts to be cleansed, man. Come on. How do you even get a grip on thoughts? Come on. I don't know if all women are like this, but my wife, if it's bedtime, this woman literally just starts kicking in everything. It's like, woman, what happened to you? Why are we going over everything that's going on? And it's like, it's like her recap of the day in her head. That's how she internalized. So it's like everything going on the next day, everything going on today, everything in her head. And it's like, and I'm just like, what are we, why are we going through all this right at 10 o'clock? Not, I mean, she, it's not like bad stuff. She's just ready to talk. And I'm like, nobody should be doing this at this time of day. The day's over. But you know what happens sometimes? Life is so fast. And you never stop to actually take the thought and process it. So it's like, it's like usually as things are, you just, it all comes at once. Because you're like, let's just talk. And it's like all these things that we just don't get to. And I really feel like the Lord wants us to create in our lives the, to make room for the atmosphere of heaven, I should say. To make room for heaven to just minister to us more and more. You know, I'm saying tonight miracles can happen. But how greater is if we lived in a miracle realm? 
where heaven can do anything. And so I realized that for many people, I know ministers fall victim to this. They, they try to learn, they want to learn the atmosphere of heaven in ministry only. And that's not how it happens. Many people start out hearing God's voice because he wanted to use you. But they forget that he wants to know you. And so if ministry to us is just, God wants to use me, I want to hear his voice. And then what happens is he really wants to, he wants to know you, not just use you. And then we limit ourselves and somehow we think ministry is going gonna, is gonna to cover up all the, the errors of the relationship. Ministry is not going to automatically make you wiser, strong. It, it helps, but on-the-job training isn't where that realm comes from. I mean, Paul Keith just demonstrated that to us. If ministry is what made that go forward, then his lack of ministry would make it go backwards. But he's in a cave, literally a cave of pain, ministering with just him and the Lord, and then he comes out, and then he's further. Because what, what increases us in the world system, it's... it's I need, to get, I need to get above you in this job, and I need to step on you, and I need this application. I need to, and we need to get this deal done, and we got to close this, and we got to make sure we broke it. No, in the kingdom, it's the opposite. Favor opens those doors. We don't have to fight and make it happen. And God's like, I'll open these doors for you. Just become aware of me. Develop that in me. And, you know, we're, we, we saw such a movement in the last, you know, five to ten years of like, my God, unbalanced grace messages have almost made way for you to feel like you don't have to hunger for God. Or there was almost a movement in the church where you like to, to want something from the Lord almost seemed religious. Man, that's, that's from the pit of hell. It's a relationship. It's deep unto deep. It's, it's the groanings inside of us crying out for the, the, the things of God. And we can't Ministry is going to be a result of your overflow. It's not going to be a result of more open doors for you to do stuff. We have to go. We're very task, you know, New England's a busy place, very task driven, very, you know, it's always, you always want to go crazy. But we've got to transition from being a servant that does what he says to a friend that knows how he thinks. So we got to go from a servant that just does what he told us to do to a friend that learns how he thinks. That only happens with time. The older I get, it's probably, it, it may not be true. I said this to Pastor Robin. The older we get, the less I feel like I have room for new relationships. Does that make sense? This week I've had a bunch of new ones, including Jim Baker, but... I feel like the older I get, I don't have room for that. Like, like the time of new, the chances of somebody going to come in my life that's going to like really be in my inner circle, I feel like, and it, it, could, not, it could not be true. Let me tell you something, God could bring anybody. He could bring a snail in my life, and I will love that snail. You know what I'm saying? But what happens is it's time. I said to Pastor Rodney one time, if your wife died, you'd probably be upset. Would you get remarried? And he said, he's like, I couldn't, and here's why. It's not just meeting a pretty girl and having a wife. 
He says, she has 25 years of me. And I'll never find a woman that will have 25 years of me. It's relationship. Do you understand? But we live in a day, older people understand this, and I say that in a a complimenting way. It's a process. This generation doesn't want the process. It's like, I just want the results. I just want the results. I'm going to share scriptures. We're really going to flip some lids and hopefully minister to the young men in this church that struggle with this. It's like we want the result. We know what the end game should be. We want the result. But we struggle with the process to get there. But this kingdom is about process and suddenlies. It's the, we don't, my generation does not enjoy the process whatsoever. We don't even have time for it. But the more mature generation realizes some things are going to take some time. And, it, and it's going to be seasons. And, 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 and they don't throw in the towel. Our generation, something goes wrong, they feel entitled, they chuck the towel. Robin came into my life not many years ago. And it has been a God, I mean a real deal God thing. Like on the phone, probably once a week we talk. We're always, you know, I always connect with him. Football helped. No, it did. It really did. It, you know, it helped because I, I love football. And, and we, we made a decision many years ago. We'd never stay in anybody's house. We just don't do it whatsoever. I'm just done staying in your home. I don't have to. But something about Robin that made you want to sleep in his house. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and, and so when you wake up in someone's home and you just sit and have dinner with them and you hear from them and you talk to them and you spend time with them, you get to another level in relationship. Do you know what I mean? You get to know his family and how his amazing, beautiful wife and his beautiful, awesome children that are serving God and his church. And you really know somebody. So it's not like, hey, you know what I mean? It's like real relationship. And if you ever are going to be friends with Robin, he loves Avanti's fish and chips. So when he lands, just beeline it for the fish and chips. And clam chowder, and you're going to be all right. (laughs) Get the cup, not a bowl. He gets the bowl and doesn't finish his fish. Twice. What a waste of fish. Thank God. What a waste. Intimacy with the Lord changes everything. Every church must learn a new culture, and it's the culture of heaven. We got the culture of honor. Everybody's valuable. God has gifts for everyone. Whether you know the Lord or not, we honor you for who you are, who God sees you. Let's treat one another that way. We need to understand the culture of heaven, man. How it, hap- how it functions. The currency, the laws there, the mindsets, the thought processes in heaven. If we're truly going to see the kingdom of heaven on this earth, then we've got to change our thought processes. And, and, and I think we, we have an addiction to gather around a message. Does that make sense? Listen, I pre, I'm, a, I'm, I'm kind of sharing with you tonight. I'll preach, dude. I could preach the house down. But we can't just be addicted to gathering around a message. We have to want to gather around the presence and camp there, and then messages follow. Does that make sense? Because if I think if the current state of Christianity, it cannot move forward with just one Rick Joyner. I mean, how lame is that? It can't move forward with one this or one that. We all have a voice and we all have an influence and we've got to cultivate that and maximize that influence. So it's not one man. You know what I mean? 
wow, you're really this. You're, and I see ministry, it's like ministry is based on one person. Let that person die. Then what are you going to do the next day? But if we camp around the presence, I love it. I love that, that, that it's not just, you know, you can't build on just me or just, you know, Sarah and Bob. Is a, but it's, it's the blending of everything that creates an atmosphere of like, oh, I just want Jesus. And vice versa, you know, and all of us have a peace to bring. But we really need a, a mindset change for the atmosphere of heaven. And we need the pre presence of God makes everything rest. I see Christians try to build unity in the flesh. It's horrible. You hate each other. Everybody's dumb, angry, bitter, can't make it happen. Beliefs are in the way. You know what I mean? Let the spirit be behind relationships. And I start falling in love with people that are five times my age, don't look like me, don't act like me, no values like me. I mean, in the natural, not values, yes. I'm talking about, like, styly different or Whatever our interest is could be completely different. I could like football. You could like water polo. Do you understand? Or whatever. You can come from, from, I could come from an urban setting. You could come from wherever. It doesn't matter. When the spirit's behind it, you're one. It's rest. It's rest. God can bring somebody from Louisiana that's completely different than me, other than big and bald. But I'm saying different. But God can make it one. Yeah. But God can make it one. God could bring, but when, you, when the presence isn't there, you're just grinding. In some of you, it's like you're forcing something that's just not God. Because you need the presence there to bring the rest. Some people come, I just have no friends, and it's so hard, and I can't connect with anybody. And I'm just like, you're trying too hard. I don't think about any relationship in my life this difficult. Let God, let it be rest. Let the presence of God build. Instead of us trying to make it happen and fight it here and work this angle. Man, there's nothing. God can't do nothing in that. Unless the Lord builds the house, right? John 2.11 is, you know, you see this pattern Jesus said, and it's the miracle that releases glory. When he heals somebody or he does something, then the, the, the grace is released around that. Man, I want that miracle realm in my life. The presence that comes with that. So Luke 19, I'm just going to share quickly about this. And we're going to worship and pray and prophesy and lay hands and do all that fun stuff. Are you getting this tonight? Yeah, I just, man, I just felt like sharing from my heart tonight about some of these things that I've been pondering through the weekend, you know. It's like. God challenges me on stuff, man. I'm going to immediately start to find the meat on this thing. Luke 19. I preached this in Canada, too. And tonight, God just gave me more about it that I'd never even seen before. Verse 11. Do you got it? Luke 19, 11, Now, as they heard these things, he spoke another parable because he was near Jerusalem. And because they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. I'm talking to you if you're under... 45, okay? Or under 49. If you're over 50, you might pass for a second. Like, I'm not attacking you as hard. They wanted to see the kingdom now. 
they thought that the kingdom would actually be a legit reign on this earth. Like an iron reign, Israel would be restored, the corrupt government would be overthrown, and they thought Jesus was basically a Trump, you know what I mean? Or some candidate that was going to like politically build and somehow restored in the natural. And they wanted it fast. You preach, you did it, we saw it. Okay, how are we going to see this kingdom now immediately? We want it right now. How can we see it? And Jesus knew their impatience. Come on. Most of the young men in this church, I'm talking to you. How about every single one of you? And they wanted it now. I knew what it's supposed to be. I know this is going to be a kingdom. I know it's going to be established. I want it right now. How do I see it? And Jesus, my goodness, he goes into the most ab- he goes into the most outlandish. Where does he pull this from? Here's Jesus' response to your impatience to see something right now. A certain nobleman went into the country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. This is his answer to you. Can you imagine? You're so eager to just have a position or see this in the natural. And he starts telling you a story. So he called ten of his servants, delivered to them ten minus. And he said to them, do business till I come. But his citizens hated him and sent out a delegation saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. And so it was when he returned, having received the kingdom, and then he commanded these servants to whom he had given the money. He called to them that they might know how much every man had gained by trading. The first one came saying, Master, your mind, your mind has earned ten. And he said to them, Well done, thy good and faithful servant, because you were faithful very little. You have authority over ten cities. And the second one came saying, Master, your mind has earned five. And likewise, he said, You'll be also over five. Another came and said, Master, here's your mina, which I've kept and put away in a handkerchief. Because I feared you were an austere man. You collect where you didn't deposit, reap what you didn't sow. And he said, them out of your own mouth, I will judge you. You wicked servant, you knew that I was an austere man collecting what I didn't deposit, reap where I didn't sow. So why then did you not even put my money in the bank where my coming I might have gained and collected interest? And he said to those that stood by, take the mina from him and give it to someone that had ten. So now they have eleven. And he said to the master, he has ten minus. For I say to you that everyone who has will be given from him that does not have from what he has will be taken from him. This is the Lord's response to your impatience. He tells a story about stewardship. And it, and it is, there's a few things to know. You know what religion does? Preserves. Religion wants you to hold your one. Imagine it's like money, $1,000. Do you know what I mean? Most of you would have been like, wow. If we all got a thousand bucks and he was like, do business and increase it till I come. And I watched one of you go, man, a thousand bucks. I'm scared I'm going to lose this. You know what I mean? Look what I'm doing, everyone. I'm putting in a handkerchief. Most of this room would be like, wow, you're so wise. You are so wise. That is the responsible thing to do. Come on. I know how some of y'all handle money. It's the response. You're so so responsible. You are not going to lose it. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, you're about to lose it and then have nothing. Self-preservation will never Bring about the atmosphere of heaven. 
the increase of heaven, just like increase of faith, has everything to do with the letting go. And here's what I desperately want to tell every person under 50. Look at this story. There's some things I never saw about it until tonight. It's the process and the suddenly. Say process. Say suddenly. This is the only time in the Bible that somebody went from having one mina, okay, to being a ruler over 10 cities like that. The whole, you want to talk about increase? You want to talk about promotion? You want to talk about favor? They went from having one mina, money, to ruling, to governing 10 cities in a moment. That's a suddenly. Most of the people I know are so desperate for that suddenly that they have no patience for the process. They don't even want it. Then they'll never get 10 cities ever. You're so, you're, so, you're so aggressive to just get to the end result. It never will come without the process. Nobody under 50 wants to hear what I'm telling you. The reason this preacher is in this tiny city, in this little building, the smallest crowds I ever preached to are in this house. It's not even close, dude. It's not even close because it's a process. But nobody, some of y'all old people, I'm talking to you too. Don't let this Facebook quirkiness in your head think that you owe something right now that should happen that's not going on. Because we don't want the process. We don't want the diligence with 10 minus to take it and go, I got to be faithful. Faithfulness. Faithfulness. Are you called to govern 10 cities? Yes. But what are you doing with your mind now? This is the Lord's literal response to I want to see the kingdom now. Are you, can, God can give you 10, God can give you 10 cities in a day. God can take you from nobody knowing anything to ruling over 10 cities. He's that good. But he's not going to do it to the person that's, that doesn't even take care of their mina that has no hunger for the things of God. Everybody left this meeting today. Everybody was gone. I think there was two people in the building and, and maybe four, maybe some of my staff and two cleaners. And there was somebody cleaning the bathroom. Man, I felt the Lord come upon me. I walked right up. There's, you were long gone eating your lunch because I had to stay, have lunch with Paul Keith. We had food ordered in because he had to run to the airport. So it's like 1.30 and somebody's cleaning the, the bathroom downstairs. I walked right in there. I started prophesying over this person. I mean, I felt the power of God fall. And I said, God is going to absolutely answer every prayer in your life. I said, you're going to watch a revelation realm open up over you because you're being faithful. We don't want the, we want, we want the prophecy and we want to be called out, but we don't want to clean the toilet. I actually didn't do that to preach to you. I shouldn't even be saying it, but I'm preaching this, so it's kind of appropriate. It's the serving. It's the faithfulness in life. It's the process that we've got to learn to appreciate. Because we're so impatient. And the people around me, it's like, I've been, they like count down the years. Well, you know I've been here three years. You know I've been here five years. You know I've been here. It's like, what am I supposed to do? Like, what does that mean? 
nobody owes you nothing. You're impatient with your process. But when you become at peace with the Lord, oh, everything's going to change. He can do anything. When you use your front porch, then we start to take that mind and we start to go, man, God, do it in my life. When you give like we did to the poor, when you start to think differently, you know, come on, man. I preach vision and faith every single week. So, Pastor, I got to take a dozen people every week and pull them back down to earth. Because everybody flies out of the building by the time I'm done preaching on Sunday. Thank God you come to me because I could tell you a handful of people you loved in this church that have been totally picked off. Because they think they could do something they can't. And they run outside the time. Don't make me start calling people out. So there's people, please, please, they'll ruin their life. They're in the process of ruining their life. But I have to give them my shoulder because they're going to come back in a few years, the Lord's told me. So that's fine. But the people that talk to me, thank God they don't ruin their life. And I could just, it's a process. Stop being crazy. We're all dreaming, baby. We're all dreamers. We're coming back to the process. We are building something in New England. And wherever you come from, you're being a part of building something. And we cannot circumvent that process. And in the process, it's releasing and loving and giving and believing. Are you with me? That's the atmosphere of heaven. Because I want to see the kingdom now. I want to see the glory now. And I believe we're contending for that. But in the meantime, I've given you mine as love people. Love your family. Love your wife. Love your children. Love your relationships. Hunger for the things of God. Appreciate one another. Do you know what I mean? I fly so fast through life that it's like, Man, we went on a cruise around uh, South America. I mean, and I, somebody blessed me. I'm telling you, you know, few people in life will ever see something like that. I cruised around the whole southern part of the world, okay, on a boat. I couldn't stop to enjoy anything. It's like I'm always a week ahead. I can't even, I mean, I'm, don't, you don't want to go on vacation with me. It's all cute now. You know what I mean? Like, it's sexy at the moment. You know, I'm not fun to be with. You know, I mean, I'm just, I can just, it's just my head. And we're in Brazil, dude. On a beach, looking at mountains and cliffs. And, and, and we went, did a quick little thing to take a look. And, and I'm standing there. And I'm ha my wife's trying to have this moment. And she's like, isn't this so beautiful? And I'm like, I just can't wait to get back on the boat. And she looks at me and goes, do you ever stop do you, she, said, she said do you ever just stop and appreciate what's in front of you and I'm like dang that stinks that hurts no <laughs> I mean I don't mean it it's part of the way I'm wired it's part of what allows me to push things forward but it is something that I personally want to work on in my life I don't stop enough I'm not talking about take time off or rest. That's never going to happen. I'm not going to sleep. I'm talking about taking time. I'm talking about looking at the ones I love. I'm talking about making more room. And I, I spend a lot of time with the Lord, but making room to cultivate that atmosphere of heaven. We are so busy to get to the end result that we struggle with what's in front of us. And we're always wanting something different than what we have. 
And we're always wishing it was this. And it was, you will not have peace in your life until you come to peace out with the Lord. You never will. And I think our thought process is God wants to transform tonight. You know, many women deal with their, their self-image, you know, or how they look or feel ugly or nasty or whatever. It's a big thing, especially now, you know. They got all these photoshopped anorexic girls everywhere trying to tell you this is what healthy is. I said to my wife one time, I said, you ever struggle with your own image? Like, because she's not that kind of person. I said, ever? She said, no. But she said, one time, I looked in the mirror, and, and I didn't like what I saw. And I thought, whatever, this is ugly, this is. And she said, it so scared me when I saw that, when I had that thought. That she said, I would never allow the next one to come because I know where that would take me. We must guard our thoughts that way. You know, Bob would tell me, and, you know, I mean, Bob Jones, right? And, he, and I didn't really know him that well. And he would say these most, he would, like, make me, like, cringe. He'd say some things to me. And he would say to me, son, the first thought is free. And I'm like, what? And he was telling me, he's like, with your imagination, you can take clothes off somebody and put them on them. He goes, but if the enemy attacks you, the first look is free. After that, it's you. Because you'll be tempted. The thought will come. Look at this or look at that or do this or have this attitude or let this sink in or look who hurts you. or look who, like, And Bob would say, the first one you get a pass on. But the second one you're going to be held accountable for. And some of us have lived so long, we don't, we don't even live. We so beyond the first one. We're like second, third, fourth. I just give up. Just come more. And, and when we control the mind, we can, we can conquer the world, this life, and let the atmosphere of heaven transform us. Does that make sense? It's everyday life. I'm telling you, I see God equipping a generation of people in New England that, that yes, it's going to be the moments in the meeting, but it's going to be your everyday life where you learn to live with the realm of heaven. And that begins to see and get demonstrated around you. It's the process that goes to the suddenly. We have to stop looking for the end and, 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 and maximize the process we're in. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a tension of the now and not yet. I, I've seen so many things on this planet but my God, if this is the home run swing of the Lord, I'm quitting. I'll go back to selling drugs. This is not what God's best is. But nor do I give it up now. It's the now. We live in the faith of now, in the word of God now, in the presence now. But we also live in the not yet. Believing for such a greater sure faith to be demonstrated. Believing that I know this thing is going to transform in New England. That all the prayers you guys have prayed is going to be answered. And God, the glory is going to thunder in this land once again, and it's going to be a greater glory. It's going to make the great awakening look like a, a little dip your bread in oil at the appetizer. Do you know what I mean? We're going to see the greater glory. There's no doubt about it. Pastor, you can come up. Here's the last thing I want to read and declare over you tonight. Isaiah 60. Can you stand? Thank you, Lord.
a mina today would be about $320. So 1,000 mina would be like 320K. Crazy. I want to read. I want to read the passage over you and declare it over you. And I want to encourage you, man. I want you to go home and read Isaiah 60. I want you to read it every day. I want you to prophesy it over yourself. There's so much in this chapter that God's just been like, man, just wrecking me with. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, the darkness will cover the earth and deep darkness to the people, but the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles will come to your light and the kings the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes around you and see they all gather together and they come to you. Your sons will come from afar and your daughters will be nursed by your side. Then you will see them become radiant and your heart will swell with joy because the abundance of the sea will be turned to you. The wealth of the Gentiles will come to you. The multitude of camels shall cover your land. But here's what hit me tonight. Arise, shine, for your light has come. I wish, I wish. We've got to believe in our own conversion. You know what he said to you? Arise, and then what did he say? Now you're the light. He didn't say arise and reflect. He didn't say arise and try or arise and reveal. No, he said arise and shine. You are the light of the world. Shine. In the kingdom, it's the only place that one cup becomes a river of living waters rushing out from you. A cup turns into a river in the kingdom. And you are the light of the world. And he's commanding you to shine. Believe in your own conversion, man. He's commanding you to shine. Shine. Arise. Shine. You are the light of the world. A city on the hill cannot be hidden. Shine. Shine. Act like it. Live like it. Reflect it. Come on, man. Believe in it. Stop looking around at what hasn't what happened in your life. You know, it's like some of you are like the lame man at the pool of Bethesda. All you see is your sickness and everybody else that's getting blessed. That's what many of you remind me of. All you can see is your issue and what everybody else is doing and what you're not doing. There was a point that Jesus, I couldn't believe him. He went up to that pool. You know what he said to him? This is what he said to him. Do you want to get well? 
like you couldn't say more of like like if I listed the things you might not want to say in that moment do you want to get well isn't one of them like who would say that you're complaining that you want to be healed and all you're doing is looking at everybody else in your sickness shine 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 I never, I never saw the word fake and news ever together until this year. I didn't even think you could put them together. I didn't, even, I didn't think fake news could ever even be a thing. But can I tell you, most of you live in the realm of fake news. You manifest the lies of the enemy. You believe the lies of the enemy. You buy into the hopelessness of the enemy. You live in fake news. Literally, your gospel isn't even right. Because what you're thinking is wrong. Shine. Shine. Believe it. Believe it. Shine. Doesn't matter what the enemy is telling you. Shine. Doesn't matter what the, the current situation is. Shine. It's the process. Shine. Shine. You're the light of the world. It's time to shine. When you shine, you don't ask why. When you shine, you're not focused on what you don't have. When you shine, your, your eyes are lifted up to what God is doing and to the one that we know is true. It does not matter what comes our way. The word is our, is our source and strength. The Holy Spirit is our guide. It's time to shine. And that's when the realm of heaven changes. I'm telling you, I don't fully even get it, but I know it's happening. Paul Keith did some rewiring in my head, man. The Lord did. We've got to get off isolation mentality and start thinking shine. Start thinking atmosphere. You are blessed and highly favored. You are the very gate of heaven. It's biblical. You are the light of this world. You aren't even a lamp. You're not even a cell phone bulb. You are the light of the whole entire world. If the world needed a light, it's you. Of the whole world. To where Jesus said, you shining on a hill cannot be hidden. You know, I was watching this uh, documentary. I just can't watch TV, man. So when I'm on these long flights, I mean, none, all your TV bores me. But... If it's like real, I can like kind of pipe in. Or if it's like a sappy love story, then I can like work it up to cry. Other than that, I have no interest in anything. Outside, of, you know, the Lord and family and stuff. But I'm on the plane. I watched this documentary about the Nan, uh, Martha's Vineyard Lighthouse. It was on Netflix, like National Geographic. The Martha's Vineyard Lighthouse. This thing was standing for years. And the ground below it started eroding. Just from the years, it started eroding, and it got so close that they were like, it's only a matter of five years that that lighthouse, it's gone. I know we see them all the time around here. There's only like 500 in the nation or wherever, the world or whatever. It's only 500. So these people literally, I couldn't believe it. They, they planned, they raised $3 million. They went underneath this lighthouse 
got rail, you know, and they moved it like, like, like 300 feet away, but close enough to where it could still beam light all over the ocean, but just to a safer place so it can continue what it was meant to do. And I thought, man, the religion of years have eroded some of you where the enemies wanted your light to be turned off. And the disappointments of the past have caused the, the, your foundation to become eroded. Where now you don't even trust. And I feel like God is moving you on more solid ground. Where you are going to project the light that he's called you to do. And you're going to let that light shine. Father, in the name of Jesus. Tonight, we thank you for the miracle realm of heaven. We thank you for the atmosphere of miracles. We thank you for what you're doing in our midst. And God, in this place tonight, we stand on your word. And I pray that our thoughts would begin to be redeemed. Renew the hearts in this place. Renew our mindsets. Renew our thoughts, God, to where we think like you, to where we live like you. We can love like you do, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.